the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. Chapter 1. And, uh, we're in a series, so I touch on some stuff we've heard from before. If I touch on a text you've heard before, that's because we're in the same series. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. We begin with verse 3. Nehemiah 1, beginning with verse 3. These are the words that you find there. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven said, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy from them that love him and observe his commandments. Amen. I, I, want, I want to use this for a subject. I, I, it's a little strange, but I want you to hear it. I, I want to talk from this subject. Your response to what needs fixing. Your response to what needs fixing. A dog lay on the porch howling day in Day out. He lays there in the same place, howling all day long. A neighbor comes by, and he's been by for several days, and he sees the dog. The dog continues to howl all day, all night. And finally, as he was passing by, he saw the owner of the house and the dog. And he stopped, and he said to the owner, he says, I, I've been coming through here and I've noticed that your dog always howls. He's howling all the time. I just wonder if you know what's wrong with him. He said, yes, I know what's wrong with him. He said, what's, what's wrong with him? He said, he's howling because he's laying on a nail. He's howling because he's laying on a nail. The next question, the obvious question, the man asked him, well, why doesn't he move? And the old farmer said to him, I guess it ain't hurting him bad enough yet. 
<laughs> and my brothers and my sisters, I have found that most of us don't really take action until it's hurting bad enough. Seems like we can put up with just about anything as long as it ain't hurting bad enough to do something about it. We, we go through life, my brothers and my sisters, seeing things that need to be done. And we see them and we plan that someday I'll do something about it. We see things that need to be done and in our minds we say, well, somebody ought to do something about it. And that's why this story of Nehemiah stands out. This story of Nehemiah stands out because, first of all, I want you to point out to you that Nehemiah is a layman. He's not, a, he's not a prophet, he's not a priest, he's not a king, he's a layman. He's just, he, he's a layman. And, and, and this man by the name of Nehemiah saw something that needed to be done. And he set out to do it. In other words, in other words, in other words, Nehemiah, he, he saw something that needed fixing. And... He set out to fix it, came up with a plan to do something about what he saw. Are y'all hearing me? You remember last, last lesson that we learned from Nehemiah, the last lesson that we have from Nehemiah, Nehemiah is expressing concern for his people. He's expressing concern for the Jews that have already left bondage and they've gone back. They've been freed to go back to Jerusalem. And you remember, you remember that Nehemiah was concerned. He wanted to know about their condition. Now, let me, let me share something with you now. Slavery is over. The bondage is over. And, and he is still in Babylon. You remember they were there for 70 years. And, and, and Jeremiah told them to go ahead and make yourselves at home because you're going to be here a while. So... What he did, he did, he, uh, yeah, although the captivity was over, as a matter of fact, he had found favor with the king of Babylon. Now, his people were free. They were free to go back, but he had found favor with the king of Babylon. He had a good job during the time of captivity. He had gotten in with the king, and he got to be the king's cupbearer. Now, let me share something with you. You got to be somebody to be the king's cupbearer. You, you're the one that the king trusts enough yeah, with his drinks to make sure that whatever you bring him is, is all right. You got to be somebody to be the king's cupbearer. Yeah, we've lost a whole lot of kings because <laughs> they had their own cupbearer. You, you got to be somebody that the king trusts, somebody that the king is in with. That meant that the king had total confidence in this man, the king had total confidence, and not only that, it meant that he had total access to the king. But in spite of his success, in spite of all he had going for him, his appointment to this high position, he was still concerned about the welfare of his people. Now, 
now, now, listen to this. We can learn something from this. Everything's all right with him. He's working for the king. He's in with the king. But although he's in with the king and everything is good for him, he could not forget about the rest of his folk. Somebody say amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although he had it made, he was still concerned about what was going on with the rest of his people. You remember, you remember, you remember, he ran into Hanani, who, who was one of the people who had gone back and who was going back and forth, and he ran into him and a group of men, and he asked him right there in the text. He, he, he had already been to Jerusalem, and he knew what was going on, and so he said, I, he said, I just want to know, I, I see you, you've been, you've been back home, and you're visiting here again. I want to know how things are going with the Jews that went back home, those that got out of slavery. I want to know how things are going. And the answer that he received from them disturbed him. They told him basically that the Jews who had gone back were struggling. Told him, told him that, yeah, they, they, they are free now and they, they're back home, but and you can all sort of understand how they've been away for 70 years in slavery and they go back home. You can sort of understand how things have gotten in a little disarray. They've been in slavery. They've been gone, left their land. People have moved in on their land and, and, and claimed it for their own. They had to go through a whole lot to get back to where they were. They had gotten there. They, they, they were struggling. They were having to deal with the same folk that got them in trouble to start with. Got back to Jerusalem and them same folk that got them worshiping idol gods, they had to deal with them folk. So here they are. They're back in their homeland and they're struggling with the same things and the same folk that got them in trouble in the first place. But, but, but when they told Nehemiah that, according to the word of God, it disturbed him. But, not, but, but, but the thing that really disturbed him most was when they told him, they told him the people struggling. But then they told him that the wall was still down. Y'all know we've been talking about the wall all year. They told him that, that not only are the people struggling, but the wall has not been built back. Y'all know the wall I'm talking about. That, that the wall that separates the people from God from the people in the world, that wall, had been torn down that wall that was purposely built to protect the people of God and that wall is still down Nehemiah Nehemiah knew right off he knew right on that this was not a good thing that, that, that there's got to be listen to this I, yeah, his problem, he, he says this, this ain't a good thing the wall is down there's got to be some boundaries I just said something right there. There's got to be some boundaries. There's got to be some protection. There's got to be some boundary between the church and the world. There's got to be something there to let you know whether you're in the world or in the church. Got to be something there. He's disturbed because the wall is not there. And that's where I want to get to this morning. I want to get to there. I want to get to the how do you respond? How do you respond? Here's Nehemiah. Yeah, he, 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 he's gotten this news, and, and, and the news is not good. He knows that there's got to be. He knows that something needs to be done. 
I want to get to this point right here. This is the point I want to get to. How do you respond when you see that something is not what it ought to be? How, how do you respond? How do you respond when you are looking and you see something that clearly needs fixing? Now get in your seat. Buckle your seat belts. Might run into a little turbulence here. If you need an air mask, you get yours on before you try to put on anybody else's on. Might get a little turbulent here. What? What is your response when you see something in the church that needs fixing? Hear me clearly now. Hear me clearly now. Hear me clearly now. I ain't talking about something you don't like and want to tear up. I'm talking about that. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't what I'm talking about. I, I'm talking about. I, I'm talking about something that can be made better. How do you react to something that needs to be done for the enhancement of the ministry within the vision that God has set forth? What do you do? How, how do you respond? that. What is your response when you see something that needs fixing? Too often, my brothers and sisters, our response is something like this. Look like somebody ought to do something. <laughs> too, too often, our response sounds so, something like this. I can't believe somebody had done something to fix that. Too often, too often, our response is, well, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they ain't everything else. Look like they ought to. <laughs> got seatbelt on, got seatbelt on. How do you respond when stuff needs to be fixed? Sometimes our response is, well, look to me like while they're doing all that other stuff they could have been doing I got it wrote down right here. Ain't nobody going to shout today. Ain't nobody going to shout today. What is your response? Sometimes that response is where you know they just got certain folk that they let do things. <laughs> what is your response? What is your response? <laughs> I'll be there directly. I'll be there directly. What, what is your response when, when things need fixing? Whenever we have these conversations, whenever we have these conversations, whenever we talk, yeah, yeah, it, it, it seems like these conversations always end up talking about somebody ought to do it. These conversations always end up with they ought to do it. And, and, and the, the trouble is you never know who they are. And you never know who somebody is. It's somebody ought to do something. But Nehemiah, Nehemiah teaches us a lesson. Verse 3, look at verse 3. Nehemiah teaches us a lesson. This thing that needed to be done burdened his heart to the extent that he cried about it. He cried about it. He, that wall was down. It burdened him so bad that he cried about it. Not only did he cry about it, the Bible says that he fasted and he went to God in prayer about it. 
thing worried him so. This thing that needed fixing the wall is down. He cried about it. He fasted. He went to God in prayer. Nobody, my brothers and sisters, nobody does ministry effectively without a burden for that ministry. I'm going somewhere. Nobody does ministry effectively unless they have a burden for that. That means they're carrying a load for it. Y'all hear me? You're not going to be effective in ministry unless you have a burden for that. That means, my brothers, that that, that thing weighs on your heart. Ministry suffers when people are involved in ministry who are half-hearted. I just said something right there. I say ministry suffers when folk in the ministry, I got in the ministry because my friend got in it. Y'all hear me? Ministry suffers when you got half-hearted folk who are involved in ministry. Let me give you an example. Let me give you some examples here. Sister Reeves, all of us know Sister Reeves. Sister Reeves has a burden for people learning the word of God. Got a burden for it. And because she has a burden for people knowing what thus said the Lord, I don't have to follow her around. I don't have to be checking behind her to see whether or not she's doing her job. Because I know that what she does, she does it from the depth of her heart and she has a burden for that. And when people have a burden for something, you don't have to beg them to do it. Oh, y'all hear me? When people have a burden for something, they don't get mad and quit it. What we're missing is folk who have a burden for what's going on. People like Deacon and Sister G. Deacon and Sister G, you, you go over there in that food pantry, and, and they are there because they have a burden for feeding hungry folk. They have a burden for it. I don't, I, I don't know when the last time I've been over to the few. I don't have to go over there to see if it's going on. I know that it's going on all right. I know that it's going to be there when it's supposed to be open. I know it's going to do everything going to need to be done that needs to be done. Why? Because they have a burden. And not only them, the others who work there in the food pantry. Those people have a burden for feeding the hungry. Are y'all getting this? Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me carry it. Tina Atkinson has a burden for administration. She has a burden for it. She has a burden for administration and service. And I, I can go about, do what I need to do as a pastor. I can get all around, do it, and not worry about things going the way they're supposed to go here because I know that once I said to her, the devil in hell. <laughs> Oh, y'all hear me? Ain't nobody going to change it. Once I give it to her, I can go to bed, sleep, knowing she has a burden for administration. Nehemiah had a burden. He had a burden for the protection of Jerusalem. And brothers and sisters, until you can feel that burden for service, you're going to be doing somebody a disservice if you're not committed to what it is you're doing. You see, I, I, I don't serve the people of God. I don't serve y'all because I can't do nothing there. I can do a little something else. I, 
I, I don't love on y'all because I can't do anything else. I, 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 I don't live day by day pointing souls to Calvary because I get a little money for it. No, 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 no. I do it because I have a burden for lost souls. And whenever I know somebody's lost, I'm going to take my time and do all I can, say whatever I need to say to get their lives turned around. I have a burden for lost souls. Nehemiah had a burden for the protection of Jerusalem. And it was that burden that caused him to take action. And if you have a true burden, it ought to, it ought to lead to action. To tell me that you got a burden for something you don't ever do anything about it. If you're carrying a burden for it, you will take action. That's what Nehemiah did. He took action now. Got just a couple of more points, short points. We'll go home. When Nehemiah got the news that the wall was down, that, that nothing had been done. That, 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 that was, when he got the news, get this, when he first got the news, there was nothing he could do physically. When he got the word, physically, there's nothing he could do to remedy the situation, couldn't do anything about it. He wasn't in Jerusalem. He was still in Babylon. If, if he was looking for an excuse, he had an excuse. I don't even live down there. If he was looking for an excuse, he had an excuse. I, don't even, I, don't, I haven't even gone back to Babylon. I don't live down there. Yeah, I'm in the wrong place. I got the wrong kind of job, and I'm working for the wrong folk. I ain't going to get involved in that. If he wanted an excuse, he could have found an excuse. But although it seemed like the odds were against him, he had a vision of a wall going up. And brothers and sisters, yeah, you ain't going to do much until you can see it. Y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've you got to be able in your mind to see this thing. you got to be able to see it already finished. He had a vision. Seemed like the odds were against him, but he had a vision of a wall going up. And, and whenever God gives you a vision, let me help you out here. Whenever God lets you see something, you don't have to understand it. Get that out of your mind. You ain't got to understand. What kind of man would understand God anyway? What kind of God would he be if I understood everything he did? Yeah, you don't have to understand it. You ain't got to figure it out. You don't have to come up with the way to make it happen. I'm here to tell you, if God has placed a vision, all you need to know is that that vision is from God. The vision comes from God. God already has a plan. Are you hearing this? If the vision comes from God, God already has a plan. In spite of whatever obstacles may come up, God already has a plan. Got to understand something. Got to understand something. God saw the obstacles that you see, the obstacles that you're complaining about. God saw them first. And either he will eliminate them or make them a part of his plan. Wonder if I got a witness up in here that God has the power. Yeah, that stuff that you call obstacle, God will move them out of the way. And the thing that I love about God, sometimes God chooses not to move them out of the way. Sometimes God will use them to help get you where you're going. I wonder if I got a witness here. God has ever used anything that you thought was in your way, and God used them to get you where you were going. 
let me throw this in. Every God-ordained vision is always bigger than you can handle. Y'all hear me? If it's God-ordained, if it's a God-ordained vision, it's always bigger than what you can handle. If it ain't big, it probably ain't God. If you can do it without God's help, it probably ain't God. God gives visions not to show you what you can do, but he gives vision to show you what he can do. Are y'all hearing this? It took, it took Nehemiah four months from the time he got the move, got the news, he got the news what was going on. It took him four months from that time, from the time he got the word yeah, about the wall being down, it took him about four months to actually go to work on a plan. What? So, so what, did he, what was he doing for that four months when he, he, he heard the news that the wall was down? What was it? Well, it's right here in the book. Four months he prayed. It's right there in the text. He couldn't get there right then. It, it wasn't something he could get right on. But what did he do in the meantime? He prayed. He prayed. And, 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 and let me just go on and say this. Most good Christians, most folk who've been walking with the Lord any time at all, we know how to pray. We got that down. We know how to pray. We, we know the power of prayer. We believe and we know that God will hear and answer prayer. We got that down. But Nehemiah took it a step farther, far, far further than that. He took, take prayer. Yeah, pray. But Nehemiah went a step further. Nehemiah developed a plan. He prayed. But while he was praying, he was developing a plan. Are y'all hearing this? How, how, how many of us pray as if you know that God will answer? You pray as if you know that God hears and will answer. And then when God does answer, you're caught off guard. How many times, how many, how many folk pray on the knees, talking to God, praying, 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 God, give me this, do this, do this. And then God answers and you go, Not only was he praying, but he came up with a plan. Look at chapter 2. When the king, when he finally got around and the king asked him what was going on with him, and he was able to talk to the king and tell him, he, he didn't, when the king said, well, what is it that you want? He didn't have to say, well, I'll tell you what, hold up a while. Let me go see what, let me figure and see what I need. I, see. No, when the king asked him, he already had a list. Already had a list, already figured out exactly everything he needed and just told it to the king. Uh, when the king shows up, yeah, you ain't got time then to be trying to figure out. Y'all you hear me? While you're praying, y'all come up with a plan. God has given you a vision and you're praying to him about it. You would do well to go ahead and develop a plan. If you believe that God hears and answers prayer, you don't have to wait until he answers. Uh, you go ahead and start working on a plan right now. You pray for your children, pray for your children, and yeah, what you want, what you, what, the way you want them to turn and the way you want them to turn out. You pray to God for that, but what is your plan? Are you hearing me? What have you done? What are you planning? 
for those children. You, you're praying for a new job. You're praying that God will give you a new job. God opens the door for you to have a new job, and you don't have any plan for how you're going to lead the old one. You ain't got no plan. Y'all hear me? You plan. If you pray, you ought to be making plans for God to answer your, your prayer. A man told me one time, he and some men on his job have been praying for, well, he called him the devil. Says so a man on their job. See, I, I just believe he possessed. Something wrong with him. And we go to the break room every morning and every afternoon. We go in, the, we go together, and we just pray for that joker. We pray for him. We pray for him. Well, I heard that. He told me that that they praying for this man. The man just lost, just totally lost. And then one day he came and told me. He said, "You know what? Now, man, I've been telling you about the man that was, yeah, yeah." He came in the break room the other day and said, what must I do to be saved? And none of us in there knew what to tell him. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The man, been praying for the man, and the man finally ready to give his life, and one of them had to call the pastor. If you're going to pray, plan. Be ready for God to answer. Be ready for God to answer your prayer. I'm through now. But I close in hopes that everybody in the sound of my voice will begin to look for and find what burdens your heart. If you're saved, there ought to be something. There ought to be something that just burdens your heart. I, I'm going to sit down and my prayer is that everybody in the sound of my voice will find that one thing that burdens their heart. Burden to the point that they no longer think that somebody else ought to do it. Burden to the point that they are not sitting around yeah, hoping that, that somebody, somebody needs to go fix that. Yeah, I hope that everybody in the sound of my voice will be burdened to the point that they can catch what I call an Isaiah spirit. Y'all ain't hearing me. Isaiah spirit said, Lord, I'll go. Are you hearing me? His spirit, he had a spirit that said, if the Lord needs somebody, the Lord needs somebody. Here I am, Lord, send, send me. My prayer, my prayer is that, that, that all in the sound of my voice will, will catch that kind of spirit, a kind of spirit, the kind of burden that Jesus had. Over in the book of Hebrew, you read where Jesus, there's, a, there's this problem going on. And they're figuring out that the blood of bulls and goats will not save mankind. But Jesus said, here I am. Prepare me a body. I'll go down there. Are y'all hearing me? Here I am. I have a burden for lost souls. I've got a burden for mankind. He said, give me a body. I'll go down there. You know the rest of the story. He came born in Bethlehem. Anybody with me here came born in Bethlehem. They put a cross, my cross, on his shoulder. He never said a word. They stretched him wide on my cross. Never said a word. He died. He died my death. Y'all hear? He died for me on the cross. Laid him in a tomb that should have been for me, but you know the rest of the story. If you follow God, it'll always come an early Sunday morning. You ain't got to worry about Friday. Look to Sunday. Well, every Friday, there's always a Sunday morning. The Bible says early Sunday morning, he got up with all power. 
in his hands. I'm standing on the promises. Are y'all hearing me? I'm standing on the promises of Jesus. But it didn't end right there. He went on with the promise. Bible says he stepped on a cloud and the cloud received him out of their sight. It didn't end right there. Yeah, somebody said this. Look at here. Don't stand there looking out there. This same Jesus. One of I got a witness up in here. This same Jesus that you see going away, he's coming. I wonder if anybody in the house, I got a witness up in here. Jesus is coming back. Ah, him writer said it like this. And Lord, haste today when faith shall be sight. When the cloud be rolled back as a scroll, the trumpet will sound and the Lord will descend. And even so, it is well with my soul. Can you join me to say, and say, well, well with my soul, freed and made whole. If you're here today, if you're here today, it's a strange prayer, but you need to be praying that God will burden your heart. That, that, that he will burden your heart to the extent that you get up and do something. That he will burden your heart to the extent that you're no longer satisfied being a pew member. That he will burden your heart to the extent that I must stand up. I must be about my father's business and right now right now my prayer is that he will put a burden on those who are unsaved that those who are unsaved that they will realize the heaviness of life right now and that right now they'll make a decision a decision to make Jesus their choice if thou will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shall be saved. If you're unsaved, you ought to be moving now. If you're already saved, don't have a church covering. You need a covering. You need to be moving right now. 